You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. All right, you got me on, brother? There you go. Um, yeah, we talked about it on the plane last night, but I guess we were both kind of bleary-eyed. We had some long travel between. Well, I hate to talk about it, so I was going to wait till you talked, and then I was going to talk about what you didn't talk about. So you get second serving there. Whatever. No, I'm good. You're just out of luck, brother. Uh, we did. We had a good trip. Um, it it is different. It was more of a medical mission type trip, and I don't really want to talk about it too much because I don't want to step on his toes. But I will tell you that I spent an awful lot of time in traveling. It's one of those places where it's far enough out and hard enough to get to that you would be better to go and stay long. You know, it needs to be a 12, 13-day day trip instead of a six-day trip because you spend so much time traveling. So, yes, or uh, I don't know, whatever day, a couple days ago, we got up at, s- eh, whatever, early in the morning, got to the airport way south there in Mexico. It was called Puerto Escondido. We got from there, made it to uh, Mexico City. We had an eight-hour layover there. And then we got back on the plane, and something happened. It got a little slow. And then we got to Mexicali, Mexico, at 1 in the morning. And then one of the people that was with us, big Mexican guy named Oscar, he's a big, funny guy, real, real. He's the world's giantest Mexican, I'm telling you. He is a monster. He's like William Strong as a Mexican, only bigger. He is a big man. And at, like, 1 in the morning, he's like, man, we need some tacos. <laughs> and we're like, come on, man. So we ate tacos there in Mexicali, and, you know, and then we went from there. And then we had to wait almost two hours to get through the border. And we got to bed about 3 o'clock. We had to get back up at 7. And that's when we started our travel day yesterday. And we, we drove a 100 miles, a little more than 100 miles, and then flew. And we got in about 10, about 11, 10.30 or so last night. So if, <laughs> Strong said, well, if you start crying or whatever, man, we'll overlook that because you're obviously tired, emotionally spent or whatever. So, and then, anyway. So it, who knows what's going to happen? Something will happen. I want to talk to you uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, start at verse 36. Acts, chapter 2, verse 36. Whenever I go on something like that, you know, I try to look for how God's speaking, what other ministries look like, and things like that, and, and see what the body of Christ looks like in other countries, you know. As, and I've told you before, that song that they were singing in that African country, I think that's Ivory Coast, but I could be wrong. Is that what it is, Ivory Coast? Um, but that song, they gave, I've told you this before, they gave me and Dave a present. We were in Zambia, and they were singing that song. And every time they'd bring you up another little gift, they didn't have anything. They'd bring us a shirt, you know. And they're singing that song about how worthy God was to give us a gift and that kind of thing. And, and we both were really, it was very emotional because they didn't have anything. And that's these people we just saw the, of this village, one village, I don't know what it's called. Nuevo Esperanza, I believe. New Hope, I believe is what it was called. And we um, was the last place we were. And that's what I want to talk to you about too. Is to you about is about uh, giving out of your poverty. Let's look at Acts uh, chapter two. Well, I know we've read this a number of times here. It might have been a while. This is uh, Pastor Elisa's favorite. I want to tell you, God bless you, whoever put all these cough drops here. The uh, thing has attacked, so you might be using some of those. Uh, Pastor Elias always points to this because it's so critical for the growth of the church and the body of Christ. And it's so important. And I just, we got to go back to it periodically and just remind ourselves of, of, of why we read the book of Acts. The reason the book of Acts is in there is because we're supposed to live like this. We're supposed to be like this. Let's see what it says. Verse 36. So Peter's giving this message to the men of Israel. These guys that had just witnessed Christ on the cross, they'd seen all those things happen, 
And, he, and man, he puts the hammer down right here. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, Jed, and Pete, Tom, Fred, Charles, and all you late, you put him on the cross, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brother, what must we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to all your children and to all who are afar off, and as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized that day, and about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly, this is key, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Tony used to always like to say, uh, you know, uh, one, one sermon in 3,000 were saved, and now we preach 3,000 sermons and one is saved. Tragically, that seems to be more true, but that's not the, the focus here. Nor is this focus this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, and they were cut to the heart. That is one of the greatest evangelistic message of the word is where men hear the word of God and they realize that they are as guilty as anyone as you stand before God, each one of us born dead in our trespasses and sin, all of us stand before God for a day of judgment appointed once for man to die and then the judgment, each one having to speak for themselves, completely stripped, completely exposed um, before God. And he's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And there's only one answer. It's not I did good. I helped the little old lady across the street. None of those things are going to help you. I was nice to my kids. My kids are very wealthy, whatever, airplane pilot or whatever. My kids have done well. None of those are going to be enough. There's only one answer. And, that, and that's that I threw my feet, myself at the feet of Christ on the cross and I asked for him to save me and for his blood to cover me. And that's the only answer God's going to accept. And you can say, well, I don't think that's a very good way for God. It's too bad. He's God. He makes the rules. He made you. We're the sheep of his pasture. He has the right to say, this is what I allow and this is what I don't. And he says, the only way is to allow Christ to be your Passover lamb for you. And if you try to get in there any other way, you're going to be out of luck. And he's going to see, say to you, depart from me, you doer of iniquity. I never knew you. And he's going to cast you into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's great that those guys hear it. And when those guys hear it and they're cut to the heart, it says, what do we do? And this is what you do. You repent. Knowing that in perfect repentance, it means you turn from your old way and you begin to walk a new way, knowing that the one you ask forgiveness from shows mercy on you and allows you into his presence. So they repent. And it says they are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We baptize to be sealed. And it's that picture of sealing with the Holy Spirit. It's just a picture of being buried with Christ in death and then raised to walk a new creation, a new man, raised to walk in newness of life. So that's amazing. So these people, they recognize their need for the gospel, they receive the gospel, they accept the message of the gospel, they're baptized into Christ, and now they begin to want to know how to live as a new creation in Christ. 
And it says, with many other words, he testified, verse 40, and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Don't act like the rest of the world. Christians here today, friends, quit acting like the rest of the world. We say, well, I don't act like the rest of the world. And, I, you know, I don't have any idols. I don't have a little statue of Mary on my, you know. They were selling those in the grocery store, these giant statues of Mary and the Lady of Guadalupe and all this stuff. I don't have none of that stuff in my yard. All that is is a visible idol. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you don't think your cell phone's an idol, then set it down and don't touch it for two hours. And then let it buzz, hum, click, beep, or whatever, and you will jump up and serve that thing like it's your master. We got idols. We have things that are more important to us than God. Lose your wallet there, fellas. Lose your purse, ladies. Set your credit card down somewhere. We got stuff that take bigger positions in our life than we recognize. And we just don't. We're like, well, that's not really an idol. It's just a thing that I have. You know, that's how idols are. It's just a thing that you got, like a wart, and you carry it around with you, and you're like, man, I don't know. It's just, it's just part of me. This is my wart. And you just keep carrying it, you know? So we have these things, and he says, repent and be bad. Be clean. The baptism is that picture of the water flowing and, and washing it off of you. But I'm not here to talk about idols. I'm here to talk about the body of Christ and these guys recognizing that, that they're not to look like the world looks anymore, that they're supposed to look differently than they looked before. How do we look differently than the world? Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is a great place to go. We're not going to go there. Just a good place for a new believer. Where should I go? How do I look like it? If you're angry, be angry no more. If you're a thief before, steal no more. In fact, get a job and give of your earnings to the poor. Um, if you're an adulterer, quit being an adulterer and live with the wife of your youth and enjoy her. You know, if you're a father, act like a father. Care for your family. Protect your wife. If you're a child, honor your father and mother and so on. But it was more than that. Verse 41. They gladly received the word, were baptized in that day 3,000, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So the first thing was, these people as new believers recognize their need to hear the word more often. If I, if I hear the, the, the word of salvation... And I accept Christ, and I go back and I live exactly like the world lives, then how can I be a person of the kingdom? He's called us to a different way of living, a different way of being. And these people no longer wanted to live that way. So they began to live according to the apostles' doctrine, and they loved it so much they couldn't get enough of it. And I want you to think about you and your life. Where do you prioritize hearing God's word or reading God's word? I mean, these guys didn't have as much access to the written word as we do. They did, but it, had to, it was so valuable that it was kept in a place called the tabernacle, and they would open the tabernacle, and they'd bring out the word, and they'd roll it out, and they'd read it. Joe Blow didn't have a Bible, per se, or a scroll even. It, it was just too valuable, too expensive. So they would have to go and hear the word. And so to hear the word was a very exciting and valuable opportunity to them. But to us, we're like, eh, you know, Sunday morning, that'd be good. I mean, we have so much of the God's word available to us through the written word, through preaching on the radio, on the internet. If You know, you've got to be careful so you're getting the right stuff. But on the internet, you know, through whatever way you receive information that way, through YouTube or whatever, through people like us preaching, through other people preaching, there's churches open every day of the week, every hour of the day practically with somebody speaking the word of truth. And it's so common that we take it very lightly. But these people were desperate for it. They recognized that they were starving and that they were lost without it. They needed God's word. And it says, and fellowship. 
So the first thing we need is to hear the word more often. The next thing we need is to meet with other believers more often. So you're constantly, the Bible says to be washed daily in the word. Washed daily. Why do I got to be washed daily in the word? Because if, if, you know, I do outside work, I do construction work, I deal with cattle, I get stuff on me. When you deal with cattle and you walk in a field with cattle, you get caca on your boots. You know, you get dirt on your pants. When you weld, which I weld some, you get that stuff on your clothes. I got to be water. Come back and I'm like, if you weld very much, it's got these black things going up your nose and all around on your face from the smoke of the weld. So I don't go from welding to the gondola house to go eat dinner, but I go wash first because I got to get it off me. And many Christians were completely surrounded by the filth of the world. I was telling somebody, you know, in Mexico, truly on this side of the border here's the fence we're driving along the fence of the border and you can smell raw sewage all over the place and we went to this area supposed to be a resort area um where we stayed the night and there's raw sewage being pumped up this thing and pumped out on the ground and then you get to the american side and we don't have that i mean when you're living in a land of raw sewage which we are we live in a very immoral land now. We live in a land of people that no longer have a regard for God or for godly things. And so we're constantly getting that stuff on us, for lack of a better word. We got it on us every day. Every person that we rub against, every person that we have a conversation with, everything that we listen to, every commercial, everything's been degraded and it's, and it's filthy. And I have to go home and I've got to wash myself in the Word. I have to go reprogram, be being transformed in the renewing of your mind. Don't be like the world. Make a new mind. How do I do it? Well, I got to get the word on me. I got to get the word in me. I got to be washed by the word. I can have dirt on the outside. It's not what's outside the body that defiles, says Christ, but it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. So I got to get the filth off. But the problem is the filth is on the inside. The only way I can purify myself is through God's word. He does the work. He's got the blood that's poured on me that, that purifies me in that sense, his righteousness imputed to me. But the only way that I'm purified is by the washing of the word. And the Bible says daily. Are you daily washing yourself in the word? And how? Two minutes in a devotional that you get on the internet, you know, oh, it sends it to my email and I read it. It takes two and a half minutes. Not enough. Because you got another 23 hours and 58 minutes of filth just overflowing you. And it causes those idols to grow and, and have more influence on your life. So the first thing is hearing the word and being washed in the word daily. The next is meeting with fellow believers. Rather than, you know, the whole world touching you in this filthy way all the time through your mind, through your eyes, through your ears, the things that you speak, the people that are around you. I need to surround myself with fellow believers. I need to have fellow believers that I can call and they can call me or I can go visit them and that's what comes next. They continued steadfastly in that, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So where does the breaking of bread comes on? We will see it as it comes down here. Now all who believed together had this thing and all these things in common, 44, <clears throat> sold their possessions and goods, divide them among as anyone had need, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, so in the house of God, and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. Where did the fellowship come from? It didn't just come from the 
coming to the temple once a week for two hours. It came from rubbing off on one another in each other's homes. I know I was telling, I guess, Dave this morning, but as we started our, our church here, we started meeting in each other's homes. <clears throat> and we had a different view of one another going into their homes. Um, everybody's got mess. Nobody thinks their mess is as bad as the other guy's mess. We all got mess. And one thing that happens is when I come into your house, I get to see your mess. When you come into my house, you get to see my mess. And the problem is for fear of someone else seeing our mess, we don't bring people into our homes. But the way that we truly get to know one another is not here for the limited time that we get to talk to one another. Hey, how's it going? How's your week? Because we always end up with the, with the everything's cool. Everything. How's, you? how's it going, man? Oh, it's great. And then if you talk to them in their home, they're like, yeah, man, my dad's dying of cancer, and, you know, I just lost my job, or I'm not doing well in my job, or, you know, I'm not doing well in the world, word, I'm not doing well, I got this sin in my life. And all those things are easily covered up in the church because you don't have enough contact with the person. But in the home, when it's face-to-face, it's harder for you to judge them because you know that, you know, if I come to Jed's house for dinner, you have this innate thing that eventually I got to invite Jed to my house for dinner. This is how we work. There's always a price to pay, you know. So he's going to invite me over. I eat there. And then, we gotta, you know, we hadn't invited them to our house. So, okay, let's go. So you got to push everything into the closet, you know, and get the door closed or whatever. And, and then you let them in. The, and you guys can go into these three rooms, but no further, you know. If you go upstairs, you know, I just can't allow for what might be upstairs. But down here, we got it looking pretty good. So... So you know that they're going to come in your house and see what you are. And something about that reduces the judgment between each other. And I think a lot of times in churches, we so limit, limitedly see one another in here for such a short period of time that, uh, that we miss that. And so it's easy for me to go, I can't believe he wore those. He wore his uh, linen pants again or whatever. You know, we're, we're easy to pick a single thing about a person and, and pick on them. And we don't know the person. But we're all struggling with the same stuff. We all got the same idols, the same warts. So so we're, just a little story there. We're walking down the road and we meet this guy. He just comes out from underneath the fence. It was like a, it was kind of crazy. We're walking down the road and all of a sudden we see this guy climb out from under the fence. He's like, hey. So we start talking to this little man, a nice little guy. And he starts telling us about his cattle. And then I start talking to him about my cattle, you know. And what, what we do in, the, in cows and how he, he had some fine-looking critters, man. He had crossed some uh, scimitals with some um, Brahma, so it had reduced the hump. And, man, these were some big, slick cattle that could really handle dry conditions, really dry there. And, I mean, these were some big, slick animals. And, um, and so, so he's real proud of them, you know. Well, how many you got? I got 12, you know, and this is how long, hopefully. And, anyway, he's telling us about that. Well, this other man walks by, and he says to Pastor Renee, he says, I thought you guys were supposed to be missionaries. How come you guys are talking about cows instead of about God? And then he walks off like a slight. So eventually we, we you know, talk about the cows for a few more minutes. And we decide we're going to walk down the road. And we're like, where are the houses at so we can invite these people to a service? And so he's like, well, I'll take you down there. So he quits what he's doing there with his animals. <coughs> and we get to walk maybe a quarter to a half a mile. And it's hotter than fire. The sun is baking, dusty road, you know, it's hot. It's not Africa hot, but it's 
It's hot. <laughs> and so I'd say it's 90s and, and sunshiny. It's very warm. No breeze. And it's up and downhill real steep. And Renee is turning really pale. I'm like, man, if this guy falls over, it's going to be rough. Because I'm saying he's short, but he's still 200 plus, man. I mean, toting that little feller back up this hill is going to be rough. And so <laughs> we're looking for like, I'm just trying to move him to the next piece of shade, get into the shade. You know, we, get, we so this guy, we go down. And before we go in the village, like, well, before we go in the village, we should go to my house. And so he takes us into his house, very humble house, um, very common South America type thing, just like in that Africa thing, same thing, the pole barn kind of thing, open sides, chicken wire. One of them, or Jed or somebody might have asked through an A, he's like, well, why you got the chicken wire? He's like, so the chickens don't come in the house, you know, and so the animals. Was that what it was, to keep the chickens in and keep the coyotes out? I'm sorry. But uh, they had them separated. They weren't walking right where we were. But, but anyway, um, and we, it's just not a problem we have, you know. Very simple. And his mother is probably in her 60s or older. This guy's probably 35. And she, he says, hey, these, all the mangoes were ripe, falling off the trees. And so we're picking the mangoes up. And he's like, oh, he gives them all to his mother. Make them some mango water. Just, she just jumps up, starts cooking, starts peeling mangoes, smushing them making some water it's a wonder we didn't die she she whatever the water came from i don't know she stirs it up puts it out there <clears throat> he gets a ladder climbs a tree and starts cutting coconuts down then starts opening the coconuts so we all got our coconut milk you know, i mean the hospitality of people that have nothing they went from house to house it says in fellowship in the breaking of bread they had nothing and they sat us down and gave us everything that they had. And then they broke out the Bible. And in this Bible, I mean, this guy had underlined or marked like every page, every line, had written so many notes in his Bible that you couldn't hardly read it for the notes around the, the thing there. And so to know this guy, Jed had a great line. He said, uh, you know what, this is probably like the top ten day, one of the top ten days of this guy's life. That these people would come to encourage him that you're not alone in the gospel. You're not alone. You're not doing this all by yourself. And he, and he was like, have you ever heard of John MacArthur? I'm like, yeah, I heard of a guy. He's like, oh man, that guy, he's good. He's solid stuff. Have you ever heard of Paul Washer, who's one of my favorites, but particularly strong in South America because he's a good Spanish speaker. And a white dude from uh, Texas, I believe, and uh, he, 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 same, you know, oh man, Paul Washer, he's where it's at, man. And we're just talking to this guy, and he's just pouring it out. And then we get ready to leave, and he goes, well, w would you pray with us? You know, pray for health, but pray that we'd remain strong in the faith. But w we're not going to get to hear any of this if we don't go in the guy's house. So to talk about cows seems a silly thing, but to intersect with another believer and go to his house and get in touch with, I don't know, what's the guy's name? Eleazar. Uh, Eleazar, to go to Eleazar's house and break bread with this guy. You know, in that town, they said there's only a very few families that were not Christians. Huh? Five families. And it, they're kind of spread out. Picture Mayland right around Mayland where you got some houses relatively close, walking distance, and then the little grocery, in the grocery store, they had mangoes, because they're falling off the trees. They had coconuts, and they had Cokes. 
that was the store. So if you wanted something beyond that from the store, and this is out of ways, this was an hour better in a bus or a, a car to get there on the bridge of death. You can tell them about the bridge of death. But uh, we, the, the, uh, they didn't got anything. But what they had was abundance that they wanted to share with us, and it came from bringing us in the house. The reason the church of Acts is so powerful is because the people knew one another on a much more intimate level than you'll ever know them seeing them on church on Sunday morning. And if I could, if I could say fellowship in the house is very personal because people can see your mess. Christians will begin to develop more spiritually when they allow other Christians to see their mess. And when the other Christian doesn't go in there and just attack them for their mess. We're really bad to do that. And your mess is as bad as my mess. It might be a different shape mess or a different smell mess, but it's the same mess. And these people, it's just really hard. It would be really hard to go and critique that man for his house when I saw his hospitality and his desire to serve. You should have seen this ladder. I wouldn't have climbed it with your feet. I mean, it was two poles and sticks. The nails are like hanging out. And then to make it long enough, they had wired another one of these Ricky things with wire, the, the old Peru style, to the top of this ladder. And when he climbed it, it was like, it just went like a banana. I'm like, well, maybe we get to pray for healing here in a minute because it was in bad shape, man. You climb that thing with a machete, you know, and chop down the coconuts. But, I mean, what that guy was willing to do to care for us, we got everything. He's got nothing. But we were in the body of Christ together, just like the Church of Acts, and it was wonderful. I mean, it was, it was definitely a highlight of the trip. We saw handicapped people. We saw pitiful people. We saw people living like they live over there. But the hospitality of those and, and of others that invite us to their homes and stuff was just beyond what can, what can be described, you know. And I, I really encourage you truly, just the, the promotional plug, the commercial goes right here, is that, you know, if you can't go... Go on a mission trip. Get your passport. It ain't that hard. 150 bucks and you're in there. We'll help you go. Uh, that's our goal here at Plant Grow Harvest. We want you to go and serve the nations with the gospel. So I tell you that story to tell you. Invite that visitor into your home. Invite other families from this fellowship into your home. Quit. I, I'm telling you that persecution is coming to our nation and it's going to be good because it's going to drive the body of Christ to better care for one another. When you don't have anything and nobody has anything together, you'll find a love for one another that you didn't know that you had before. And you'll quit judging people by what their worth is or how they dress or what they smell like. And you'll begin to see them as God sees them, as a brother and sister in Christ that needs encouragement and needs blessing just like you do. And it'll help deal with that loneliness that you're dealing with that you, you say you're not, but you really are. And the way you're overcoming that is through your cell phone or time in the internet or time on TV or whatever. And that's how you're dealing with that loneliness rather than going and opening up yourself to other believers and to God's word. God's word can fill an awful lot of that. So um, I am grateful for those of you that have invited me to your homes for dinner or breakfast or whatever. I am. That's good times. Quit worrying about the mess, ladies, and just invite some people. It's really a forgotten grace in our culture. And that's one thing I really enjoy about, particularly South America, but Africa, too. They treat us the same way. So take a stranger in and feed them. And in that way, you may be meeting that angel's unawares, man. If that guy wasn't an angel, I don't know who was. He, Man, did he care for us. 
And the, and the way that we left one another, it was real interesting. He said, he knew, I mean, I'm never going to see that cat again. Never. Until heaven. And that's how he left it. He's like, ah, we're not going to see each other again. But we're going to see each other on that day. And man, knowing that was, it was great. It was fantastic. No cell phone. He didn't ask for my cell phone number. You know, <laughs> they don't make string that long with a can on each end. You know, we can talk to him. I'll never see that guy again. Um, anyway. So in the spirit of this passage, we're going to take communion this morning. I, Jed's got a word to share as well. But, but uh, I just want us to start. Many pastors will preach on this. And it says, continue daily with accord, one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity. Many will say, well, that's just communion. But it's not. There is communion mentioned here the first time where it says, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread. That's, that's more of the Passover meal communion. But the second is just living life with one another, encouraging one another, exhorting one another daily, you know, and that kind of thing. Man, if we're in each other's homes more, I guarantee we'll know what each other's reading and preaching. That's how I got a book from Jed the other day. I went in his home, I think to fix something or something. He's like, oh, I've been reading this book. I was like, snitch. And so, <laughs> anyway, so it's my book now. But he got it back, so anyway. So I do want to encourage you to go on a trip. Because I want you to have these experiences because I'm telling you that these will build your faith and develop you into the man, woman of Christ that can be more effectively used for others to reach other with the gospel. Okay? Go ahead, Jed. Tell us what you got. Then we're going to come back and have uh, the Lord's Supper. That's a good word. I'm not going to add a whole lot to that because that was really good, what Dale said. I agree 100% with it. Um, I wrote down while he was talking that we, we basically met two types of people, and it's not, it's not any different here. We, we met people like Eleazar that knew Jesus, and then we met people like uh, Isabel, who need Jesus and when I say need Jesus uh, I mean they they recognized their need for Jesus and that was very encouraging for me because I don't meet people around here that need Jesus too much uh, they've got so much of what they need filled um, it's available to us that to meet our needs but uh, I, I had left my room. I roomed with a, a fellow named Robert. You guys will probably get to meet him. He'll probably come in July. Super nice guy. Um, but he's, he's fully deaf, but he's got an implant. And so he, he could take that off at night so he didn't have to hear me snore. So that was good. Worked out for the both of us. Yeah, he, told, he, he said it helped with the snoring, but he could still smell my feet. I was like, thanks, Robert. That's really, that's really sweet of you. We just met. Yeah, why didn't you tell me the first day? I mean, it's hot. We're all sweating. We all stick. Anyways, I love that guy. Super, super nice kid. He's like 24. Um, so we, we had left. We were about to go out. I had a stack of the Johns. We gave away hundreds of those. And uh, if anything, side note, I'd encourage you to, to get one of those and mark it up and read it up. And then have a couple others with you 
that if you're ever, ever in a situation where you can give one of those to somebody and turn to page 7 and show them what it says right here, well, page 7 is John 3.16, and then you can show them some other verses on other pages. Those, are, those were a great tool, a great tool, and we gave them away at a lot of the, a lot of, most everywhere we went, we gave them away by the dozens. And, well, anyways, I had a stack on, on the table there in our room, and uh, I had forgotten something, and I was going back to the room, and there stood Isabel with one in her hand, and she was kind of shocked and scared, and, and it's like, ah, uh, and then she starts talking to me in Spanish, and I know she's asking me if she can have one, and I'm like, see, yeah, take it, it's yours, and, and she couldn't, for some reason, she, she kept talking and was like worried that I was getting on to her, and uh, so, so I go outside, Robert, I'm yelling for Robert, because he does speak, even though he's deaf, he speaks four languages, he speaks uh, uh, international sign language, American sign language, Spanish, and English. So when he's plugged in, he's ready to go. And so he came. I'm like, Robert, get back in here. You know, we, we got to talk to this girl. And so sure enough, that's what she was asking. I explained it to her. She, there was another girl cleaning the room with her. She was kind of nervous to even ask, but she knew something she needed. She had read a little bit of the front of it, and she, she told me she was Catholic. And we, we ran through a little bit right there. Uh, through Robert translating, and and I I told her I'm like, hey, if you can come back, we'll talk more about this. Is there a time? And she's like, oh yeah, I'll be back. And I've heard that before, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh no, I'm like, no, take this with you, read it, read it. You know, le, le esto, le esto, le le o or le esto. Uh, and um, she um, she took it, and I thought. I prayed, Lord, if you want me to talk to her again, you'll make it make a way. And so the last day we were there, she there was a knock on my door, and it was her. And so through uh, Renee's wife Irene, we got to we got to talk some more. And I and I took it and showed her like, and explained to her that Jesus is the only way, that we have all sinned and fallen short, and Jesus is the only way. And she said she she was going to read it and look into it some more, and and so. She, we didn't have a, a prayer time right then and there, and her boss was yelling at her on the radio because he saw her talking to us. And, but uh, I'd say all that to say that what an encouragement it is to run into people that need Jesus. And then what a cur- encouragement it is to run into people that know Jesus, to meet uh, Eleazar, and, and to see that dude loves Jesus. He's got nothing when his daddy died three years ago, he handed him, before he died, he handed him a machete and said, this is how you're going to live. This is how you're going to stay alive with this machete. That's what he gave him. The guy's never gone anywhere or done anything. And I didn't say that when I told the Dell. I was like, man, it ain't in pride. I, ain't nothing special about Dell or myself or anything. But... To get to talk to somebody about, he, he loves cattle. Dale likes cattle a lot, too. They got to talk. And, and this guy is from thousands of miles away in Tennessee. And to be able for brothers to meet and talk about both interesting things of, of life and, and living and then of godly things, it was amazing. It was truly encouraging to know that in the middle of nowhere, no phone signal, no nothing, here's a man that loves Jesus. 
and he stays in the word and it was it was great it was it was tremendous it's it's so amazing it's it's one of those things that we're focused here part of our vision is to make disciples that plant churches that make disciples that plant churches so we go to this this area and there is it is we'll I'll, we'll do pictures and stuff i got some pictures and videos and some other time but it's it's up i mean you're knocking your teeth out of your head every time you hit a bump going up this mountain we had to stop and let the a guy in another van you know take a break and uh throw something off the side of the mountain and and uh so we finally get there and they've built this church up there and this like you said uh basically mayland and this whole town village shows up and we find out that uh since that church was established now only five families aren't going to church aren't aren't uh they but they've heard the gospel but just a few years ago, this church wasn't there, and nobody went to church because there was no church. And now we know that there's two more villages that are in the same situation, that if we can go back and build a church and, and, and install a pastor, that's reaching the unreached. That's what we want to do. There's opportunity there. And we, it, I didn't know what it was going to be like. We got down there, and they put us in this pretty nice hotel down near the beach, and I'm like, what are we doing? This isn't this isn't necessarily what I thought when I had in mind, um, but the need was great. It wasn't thirty minutes. Some of the stops, the first church I preached at, the first day we went out, uh, was thirty minutes away, up in the lower part of the mountains. And uh, man, the need the need was there. And I got to meet an, another lady there. She was eighty three years old. And she didn't have a tooth in her head, but she loved Jesus. And the pastor that was there had had her as a Sunday school teacher. So she had built into this young man who is now the pastor of that church. Like Dell said, we want everybody here to be involved in missions because it's our full duty as, as Jesus followers, as Christians. It's not the pastor's job to do everything he's to shepherd the flock yes but the flock is to be actively sharing the good news and so i i, I think we're going to have plenty of opportunity i I'm, I'm thankful that things are opening back up yes the travel was difficult but we were able to do it there were blockades there that we couldn't get down some of the roads and and even pastor moore had said People at the church had basically said, you don't need to go. There's blockades. It could get a little dicey. It never got dicey. Jesus was in full control the whole time. And we got to talk to people about his love and, and truth. That's what I teach, uh, taught on was, was Jesus' truth out of John. If you want to go to that real quick. I'm not going to preach a sermon or anything uh, today because I thought everything Dale said was more than sufficient. But I just want to tell you what I told them real quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In John chapter 8. John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. It says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, like Dale was saying, 
being in his word is so important. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then they ask, how is it that you say we will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. We talked about truth. We talked about what is truth. Is there real truth? We decided that there was truth. I, there was a guitar there, and I picked it up, and, and I was showing it to him. I said, so can we all agree that this is a guitar? Anywhere you go in the world, this is a guitar. And if I hold this thing above my head and then throw it down on the ground, what's going to happen? And the guy's like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, I'm not going to break your only guitar, buddy. Sorry. I'm just saying, anywhere you go, you drop a guitar, gravity is real, right? doesn't matter if you're standing in Africa or Tennessee or uh, wherever. Gravity is real, and it's going to break. So there is truth. And then we went into, well, what kind of truth do you believe? Because there's worldly truth and godly truth. It doesn't matter if you're in the mountains or down on the beach or in Tennessee or in Mexico. What we find is that there's only one truth, and that truth is in Christ Jesus. And that's what we taught about Renee. Uh, taught after me it was a it was a great time half the church came forward and, and prayed at the altar and it, it was it was god was at work and, and it was it's true to us that's what i was thinking the whole time i was talking down there everything we're applying here applies in crossville tennessee there are people here that know Jesus, and there are people here that need Jesus. But the problem is, the people that need Jesus tend to have idols that fill those holes up real good. But they're not going to fill them up real good when the day comes. Christ alone is sufficient. And so, I, I thank you guys as a church for praying for us, for supporting us, for allowing us to go. I think lives were reached. I believe that the word of God went forth and it, it won't return void. And and I, I I thought it was man, such a such a great time of of meeting uh other believers and seeing the love of Christ in them. It always is. It's it's always like that when we go somewhere. So be encouraged to know that we are not alone hear in what we do and believe in that we know that Jesus is Christ and that he is our Messiah. And, and we got to break bread with, with our, other, our brothers and our sisters in these other countries. And one day we're going to get to do it again. And we should be doing it here. We should be living set-apart lives. And so we have that opportunity. Um. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I, I, once again, that was that was the message, and and we have that opportunity here to know to know the sun and to be set free. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, the Son of God, the one true perfect one, today can be the day. I'm done, Dale.